CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back into the Lions 24 7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Last episode of this podcast, we set the stage for the second half of June, promised a lot of action. And wow, just a few days later, we have so much new to discuss on the recruiting trail for Penn State with this 2024 class construction coming off their third consecutive official visit weekend. Another really big one. We've got one commitment to talk about that landed on Friday. We've got a few crystal ball projections to talk about. A lot to dive into with Tyler Calvaruso, our recruiting insider at Lions 24-7, in just a matter of moments. But be- begin this podcast with a member of that pod- uh, of that recruiting class already committed in the 2024 class. And he joins us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast, Luke Reynolds, fresh off a trip to the West Coast where he participated at the Elite 11 Finals as one of the premier pass catchers out with that group. And Luke, welcome to the show. Really glad you could find some time for us here on a Tuesday afternoon. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. As I just referenced, you had the uh, awesome opportunity to head out to Redondo Beach, California. You and, and several other premier pass catchers from this 2024 class got invited by the Elite 11 coaching staff following the regional tour um, to come out there, help those quarterbacks look good, give them some good routes. And 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 ultimately, what did that opportunity, before we get into the results, mean to you? Because this is a regional circuit that went to every corner of the country building up this roster. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm super thankful for obviously being invited. They, uh, they took great care of the players and I. It was just awesome opportunity to get around a bunch of you know high level quarterbacks and just you know every rep was a good rep just based on the skill level. Um, and obviously Ethan Grunkemeyer was there too, so it gave me a great opportunity to be around him, get to know him even even more, and get our timing down with the routes. And you had like the phenomenally rare opportunity not only to go out to Elite 11 with your current high school quarterback in attendance, but with your future college quarterback, you know, Dante Reno of a Cheshire Academy. We'll talk about what you guys have planned for your senior year and, and, and one that's going to be your first time fully focused at tight end a little bit later. But getting back to Ethan Grunkemeyer, you two uh, played a little pitch and catch a few weeks back at State College High School at the regional event where you both got invited out to Los Angeles. What was it like this time around spending those, you know, I guess about 70 hours together out in Southern California? I know he's kind of isolated with the quarterbacks for a portion of that, but what were you two able to accomplish from that time together? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one at State College was more like the icebreaker, and it was the first time I had met Ethan. So it was kind of just getting to know um, each other. But obviously this time around, we were more comfortable. So this time it was just awesome to be able to just go out there and play football. Um, you know, we're past all the, the meet and greets and introductions and stuff like that. So uh, we were both locked in and, and really focused. So it just made a great environment for both of us. And you, I know you caught passes from 20 different quarterbacks, including your high school quarterback. And what stands out when, when that ball's coming from Ethan? I think overall he had an impressive three-day span out there. He ended up as one of the final Elite 11 members from the 20 quarterback group. Uh, probably turned some heads comparatively to his overall ranking going into the event. What did you take away from it? Definitely. I mean, I think he showed really good leadership. Um, I think even on the first day, uh, I know he, he unfortunately came in second, but I don't think that really reflects on how well he really did. I think he's a great quarterback. He's got really good uh, IQ, and I mean that ball comes out really well. He's got really good uh, uh, power from his hips and his legs, 
and has good whip on the ball. So it was good to see him just sling it around. Tell me, what what does the the IQ and the leadership look like in an elite eleven kind of event? I think people think leadership, and they're picturing eleven on eleven man regular padded football. How, how can that kind of show through in the setting like what you just experienced? Definitely, just uh, he was always prepared. You know, there's never a moment that was too big for him. You know, he was always confident in himself. So, uh, you know, that really stood out. And how about you? Um, I know you probably were pretty tired by the end of the third day. You ran a lot of routes out there for a lot of really good quarterbacks. Guys are going to go on to be Heisman Trophy contenders, NFL quarterbacks down the road. But uh, I know maybe someday they'll be saying, well, I got the chance to throw to Luke Reynolds out in Southern California for a few days. What did you gain from that experience? Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of good coaches there, too. So I was able to take a couple of things to implement that into my game. Uh, I met some of the coaches at the regional one in, a, uh, in State College. So it was good to get back working with them, learning even more. But uh, just a great experience to just be able to have every rep be a good rep, know that the timing is going to be you know, more advanced than I was used to. So kind of just get um, acclimated to what the college level is going to be like. How far are you pushing the boundaries right now for yourself at tight end? You're gearing up for your first season fully concentrated at the position, and yet here you are considered one of the top 10 prospects overall at this spot, working with some of the, those coaches, as you mentioned, out in Southern California. Um, I mean, how much are you trying to pack and cram into a short period of time to make yourself fully prepared for what it's going to be like to be this tight end, Luke Reynolds? Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to do as much as possible, um, but obviously you can't take everything. Uh, there's obviously going to be a limit. So just trying to do get as much as, uh, as possible on my plate and then just really taking the important stuff and what I can truly implement into my game. Uh, I don't want to rush anything, uh, but I just want to be an open learner because obviously it's going to be my first year. So uh, the more information and the more, the more skills that I obtain for a tight end is going to help me in the, in the coming years. And for those who don't know that our listeners out there are probably trying to figure out what I'm talking about here. You were focused at quarterback for, for your football career. That went into last year, uh, your, your junior season at Cheshire. Tell me what it was like uh, to get to the point where you gave up the football, being the man behind center. Um, and, and what were the conversations like that led to it? Because this is late in the process to make this kind of a move. And obviously it's paying off in a big way. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I was a quarterback my whole entire life up until – I believe the second game of my, uh, my last season. So uh, there's another quarterback. His name is Drew Hall. He's a Navy commit. So he was a senior. Um, so he graduated, but him and I, uh, we're both playing quarterback and we're battling, you know, throughout preseason camp in the first week, but uh, I wanted to be on the field as much as possible. And my coaches obviously knew my athletic ability. So they always brought up the idea of me playing tight end or something other than quarterback. And you know, I, I didn't want to play 50% of the season. So, uh, I saw it as an opportunity to get in the field as much as possible, help my teammates out and team as, uh, as much as possible. So um, they persuaded me a little bit, but giving it up was it was tough at the beginning. But obviously, tight end has been, you know, just an awesome experience and has helped me with my recruiting. Obviously, like that, I wouldn't be committed to Penn State if I didn't transition to tight end. So I was just looking at the bigger picture, and uh, yeah, I didn't want to get uh, tunnel vision playing quarterback. So we're talking about maybe nine months ago when, when this move takes place. What was your college football recruiting trajectory like at that point? Were you getting legitimate interest at the quarterback spot? Were you kind of acknowledging in the back of your head that if football was going to continue at the college level, you'd have to transition to another spot? What was on the table for you, let's say, September 2022? Yeah, not a lot, to be honest. There's a little bit of, uh, of a buzz, but you know, as a quarterback, I think my uh, athleticism separated myself, but uh, my it was definitely my release was kind of a little funky uh, coaches hadn't really seen it before. So I think that was like the one thing that kind of held me back. 
Um, so I would say they're like lower, lower D1, um, you know, to D2, D3. Obviously nothing wrong with that, but um, not where I personally wanted to end up. So when I saw a tight end had different possibilities for me, my quarterback coach, or not my quarterback coach, sorry, my head coach at the time had done that a couple of times, had players that came in as a certain position and transitioned them to another one. So he had always saw the vision. So I just trusted him, put my faith in him and, you know, it paid off. You're talking about looking at options beyond the Power Five, maybe beyond the Division One level here at college football uh, as a junior at the high school level. And now here we are. 24-7 Sports now has you as the number six overall tight end in the country, the number 80 overall prospect in your entire high school class from coast to coast, wherever you want to look at it, top 100 guy. When that sinks in, if it has for you, has it come so much faster than you realistically anticipated it ever would? Definitely. Yeah, it definitely has sunk in. Um, but when it did sink in and, you know, I kind of realized what has actually happened, you know, it, it's still kind of crazy. Like, I still really can't fully process it, but definitely did not think it would happen this soon. Um, obviously, just being a quarterback, like I never really had the vision of me playing anything other than quarterback. So when it all started to happen and unfold, uh, it was definitely a surreal experience. Well, I, I want to get into what you've got cooking for your senior year. I'm excited to see you at tight end, but your team generally at Cheshire Academy should be really loaded. Power five guys across the field. I know as a tight end, you're excited to have a power five quarterback prospect getting you the ball in Dante Reno. What kind of fireworks are you anticipating from the team this fall? And, and individually, what kind of goals are you setting for yourself in year one as this tight end factor? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, our team is going to be definitely fun to watch. So our defense is awesome. We've got a lot of great players. On that so they're going to uh, generate a lot of opportunities for Dante and I to push the ball um, but yeah definitely just I'm just trying to be as efficient as possible um, you know, obviously yeah, first year playing tight end so just want to make the most of it learn get a feel for the game from the tight end position as a full time and just do my best out there with my teammates. You mentioned that regardless of what position you were at, your athleticism was standing out to some of those college staffs that were sniffing around even a year ago. Where are you at right now? We've got you at six foot four and a half, 220 pounds on your 24-7 sports profile. Any updates to give us there? And, and where do you think you'd like to be when you get settled in as a Penn State freshman? Definitely. I would say right now it's the same. Um, but coming into Penn State, my goal is 225. There you go. And, and, and we'll talk about it in a, in a moment, but you're seven months, uh, even less than seven months now away from, from joining the Nittany Lions. Uh, we'll, we'll get to early enrollment in just a bit, but I wanted to go back to your regional camp experience that I got a chance to watch you here at State College. And you spent a significant time working with Adam Brenneman, who many believe was the number one tight end across the country in his recruiting class, came to Penn State, had early success, ends up as an All-American player at UMass. Uh, projected as an NFL impact player, injuries derail that. And now he's he's been around as a coach. We see him on the camp circuit now. What was that like for you working hand-in-hand hand with uh, Adam, a guy who understands what it, it's like to show up to events and carry that kind of a recruiting clout and maybe that recruiting uh, expectation? It was a great experience. You know, he was, he was someone that was really helpful just working with me throughout that camp. He taught me a lot of great stuff. Obviously, he's been through the process um, of being at Penn State um, so, he, you know, he taught me a lot and I was really thankful that he was the one that was kind of mentoring me through that camp, taught me a lot about how to handle myself, how to feel during these reps, taught me a lot about um, route running and stuff like that and just tendencies for defense. So I think that all helped when it came to running routes and one on one. So I was super thankful for his help. And you go to school in, in Connecticut, and it's about a two hour drive. We talked about it. it's a boarding school. You're home right now in the Boston area. That makes you a New England Patriots guy. Yeah. 
And, and I know you were especially stoked then to have that sideline conversation with Mike Gesicki, courtesy of Adam Brenneman's uh, cell phone uh, that day on camp. Uh, I, I know Mike had set, said hello. You said hello back. Uh, Adam Brenneman, the first thing that he told me about you was, I see a lot of Mike Gesicki coming out of high school and Luke Reynolds coming out of high school. What was it like to put face-to-face, I guess, with a guy the Patriots are prioritizing now as a tight end for them, but also someone who has been through the path at Happy Valley and has gone on to do what I'd imagine you want to do and, and make a lot of money playing professionally? 100%. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I was so happy that Adam Berman had you know FaceTimed him because before he even called him, he had compared me to Gesicki, like, tell me how much I reminded him about Gesicki. So being able to talk with him, just get a feel with how he carries himself was great. Um, and yeah, I watched him kill the Patriots when he was on the Dolphins. So having him on the Patriots side now is definitely more beneficial. So uh, it was just awesome. Have you snagged that Gasicki jersey yet? Or are you a jersey guy? I mean, <laughs> not yet. Not really too big in the jerseys, but I might have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be cool. We got Trace McSorley and, and him reuniting up there. Bill O'Brien, former Penn State coach, some interest up there for Penn State fans this year in New yep. England. Uh, speaking of New England and, and the tight end position, Andrew Rapelier recently got to town. He was considered one of the top tight end prospects in the class that preceded you for 2023. Um, getting to work right now, it's a deep tight end room. But do you have any kind of, uh, I guess, interactions in the past with Andrew being from the same neck of the woods, I suppose, and both high caliber prospects at the position? Yeah, so I was at Lawrence Academy these past two years. So it was my first year at Cheshire this past year. So I played uh, Andrew in uh, football for two seasons and then in basketball for two seasons as well. So we didn't really know each other during then, but I got a chance to meet him, I think, a month ago when I was up at Penn State. And we kind of talk, uh, talked about basketball and football, broke it down. So I got a chance to be around him. But now he's a great tight end. So I'm looking forward to learning and playing alongside him. I love that because we had Andrew on this podcast a few months back and he was talking about his competitive drive on the basketball court as well as the football field. Can, can you kind of give me uh, some recollections of what you saw from Rappelier when you got a chance to go head to head with your teams? Yeah, definitely. I uh, know he didn't really back down from anything. So uh, we were both aggressive players. So when I was guarding him or he was guarding me, it was definitely highly competitive. There was some, there's some bodies getting thrown around. So it was a good experience <laughs> playing him. Good stuff. And, and generally, this Penn State tight end room, Brenton Strange became the third consecutive starter out of that group to be a second-round pick in the NFL. You've got guys like Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren now taking their next step, a young player like Andrew Rappelier joining the mix, and now yourself. I guess this is a two-parter. One, how appealing is it entering a room that has this kind of a track record? And two, is there an intimidation factor? Because I'd imagine when you go down your offer list and you go to those teams' rosters, a lot of those tight end spots don't look like what Penn State has brewing right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing the line, uh, lineage of tight ends, you know, makes it so promising and makes Penn State even that more intriguing just because of the reputation they have with tight ends. Um, but I think Coach Howard does a great job of having a competitive room, but also kind of like that family aspect. So obviously people are going to go out there and compete. Everyone wants to be tight end one, tight end two. But at the end of the day, he's going to work. Uh, his best to get us to the point that we want to be and everyone around us is going to do the same. So uh, I think it's a great room. It's going to elevate uh, everyone, but obviously you going to have that competitive aspect. You mentioned the family dynamics involved there in the building. You've been around campus a couple times of late. I know you were up there in late May, back for an official visit about a week and a half ago with a bunch of commitments. What did that weekend in particular, spending 48 hours, not just with your future teammates, but with your future teammates, family members and your family members, what did it do for this 2024 Penn State recruiting class? 
Yeah, it definitely brought everyone together. I mean, it was the first time a lot of us had met in person. Uh, I got a chance to, it was the first time I met really all of the commits outside of Ethan, obviously, because I met him at the state regional. But it was just a great opportunity to get to know people, everyone's backgrounds, have our families converge. It was just a great opportunity for everyone to come together. Um, but everyone, you know, feels the same way about the family. Everyone's buying into the program. Everyone's excited for them to get started. So it's going to just be a great experience. And this group is definitely special. I think it was like 16 commits on campus. Was there anything particularly that the Penn State staff, James Franklin, uh, support staff, what have you, did that you felt really facilitated that kind of a bonding experience for your group before everyone went their separate ways and left campus? Yeah, he put us in uh, you know positions just to get to know each other. Like, you know, we didn't really isolate anyone. Uh, we were doing photo shoots or meetings. We were all together. So we were just get together the whole weekend. So it just kind of made us come together. Um, so, yeah, they did a great job with that. It's also a great opportunity to, to get some scheming done as a class. I know you guys operate a lot through your text threads, but you want to fill out the remainder of this group with some high caliber players. I'm going to bounce into that conversation a little bit uh, later here on this show when you leave. But in your opinion, is Penn State on the verge of really an explosive finish to June and what this class is about to become? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I definitely believe so. Um, I think a lot of people are realizing the impact Penn State has on people and you know, the possibilities Penn State has in the future, especially with this class. Um, so I think a lot of people are starting to realize and I think we'll be coming in soon. Any players of, of particular prominence on your list of, of, of kind of wants out there right now? Uh, there's definitely a couple. I won't list, uh, won't list names, but there's definitely a couple. All right. Well, you can take credit for them when they commit then, and, and we'll, we'll wait for that <laughs> and, and to hear from, from me then. Uh, hey, I do want to get into the January enrollment because, like I said, it's about six and a half months away. Um, you'll be making that move. Why was it so imperative for you to, to, to achieve that early high school graduation, getting to campus in January, which is going to mean you get the winter conditioning workouts and, of course, those 15 spring practice sessions next March and April? Yeah, just being acclimated to you know, the college workouts and environment is going to be super big. Uh, being able to go there and just develop and start that development process early is so huge. And then being able to, you know, go into next year and not kind of be blindsided by anything. It's just, it's a great opportunity for me to get comfortable around the players and the facility. And, and I guess, do you have uh, opportunities to get back to campus? Are you anticipating that chance? To, I know you have some Saturday games here and there, but do you have any uh, games circled that you want to see Penn State play in person? Def definitely the whiteout game. I mean, you can't really go wrong with the whiteout game, but I got to see how my football schedule lines up. Obviously, yeah, you, like you said, we play on Saturdays, and obviously Penn State plays on Saturdays. So we're going to see it, uh, hopefully the whiteout game, but if not, um, more than content with uh, just a, a normal regular season game. Well, I want to finish off with this because you have been inside team facilities of late. I know you've spent some time with players uh, who are currently on the roster. Obviously, the coaching staff has been around you a bunch. What are you picking up in terms of vibes about where they are heading toward the September 2nd kickoff in this 2023 season? A lot of excitement in Happy Valley, arguably more than any other year that we've seen James Franklin here on campus. What are you picking up when you're around this team? Yeah, everyone's excited. Everyone's really anticipating a big season. Got a lot of young talent on both sides of the ball. So everyone's really looking forward to seeing how they, those guys have developed in the offseason and are going to translate to the, to the game. So uh, a lot of people are really excited and can't wait to watch the team. All right, good stuff. Luke Reynolds, thank you for all your insight on the trips to L.A. and then the trips to State College. We appreciate it all and wish you well. Uh, enjoy your summer at home in Boston, and good luck with getting back to school in August back up in Connecticut. Really excited to see what you have in store for your senior season. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Take care.
We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good stuff from Luke Reynolds, who we'll be talking about on this podcast for years to come. I'm pretty confident about that. A big senior year ahead for him and a big week behind him out at the Elite 11 finals in Redondo Beach, California. Full coverage of that, by the way. A bunch of stuff on on Grunkemeyer. And there's been a lot of feedback on Luke Reynolds from our staff at 24-7 Sports. It's across the network. It's at lines247.com as well. Let's get into a lot of recruiting conversation. We spent about 45-plus minutes last Thursday breaking down what to anticipate from the second half of this month with Tyler Calvaruso. We're working our way into that second half of the month now, Tyler, and certainly we're beginning to see the dynamics change. Uh, we got a commitment to discuss on Friday. Let's start there, uh, and and we have a bunch to talk about because there may be more commitments on the way by the time people sit down and listen to this podcast. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility the way things are trending right now. And just circling back to Friday's commitment, four-star safety, Vabu Torre from New Jersey, was a really good get for the staff in the regard that he has been one of their top safety targets really for the duration of this cycle. It's really been Dewan Lane and Babu Torre high on that board for months now. And Penn State was able to go out and close on both of those guys. I've talked a lot about what I've seen out of Torre getting the chance to watch him play in person. I think that it's definitely a high quality get for Anthony Poindexter. I think there's a lot to like about Torre, his toughness, his tackling ability, his coverage ability. I think there's a lot there for Poindexter and the staff to work with. So Penn State pretty much done at safety now, and spots are filling up fast in the secondary. You know, there's still room for one more at cornerback. We're keeping an eye on Jameer Grimsley for that. But at safety, Nenny lines are locked in with Torre and Lane. And, and, and you, as you mentioned, a couple of four-star guys there. Number 25 is Torre in the industry-generated composite rankings. Oklahoma and Kentucky involved here high in the list. Uh, official visits for those schools did not pan out, though. Penn State is the pick. As you said, maybe not much work to do left at the defensive back position, but there's a bunch to be done at a couple spots. And, and as we discussed on our last episode, front and center there, wide receiver, defensive line i want to start at the receiver position we've got a tree of guys to get to and let's just put it out there if you have followed penn state coverage right now the crystal balls are flying out there uh brian doan uh, national recruiting analyst steve wildfong our national recruiting director and then tyler calvaruso himself have been putting out crystal balls so let's go with wide receiver you can pick where you want to begin but we've got three guys i believe we've got to get to yeah two of which are in-state guys you know tysier denmark the longtime oregon commit He's back on the market coming out of an official visit weekend that he decided to take at Penn State. And, you know, that was one that had been brewing behind the scenes really for a while. I'm sure a lot of our listeners remembered it was looking like Denmark was going to visit at one point during spring practice. It wound up not coming to fruition, but contact between Denmark and Penn State never ceased. He was always remained a top target for Marcus Hagan, specifically in the slot. That's been the role that has been pitched to him. And he gets back to campus, decides to back off that Oregon commitment, and things are trending in the right direction there. You know, it's one of those things where a decision could come sooner rather than later. I mean, Tysier himself just tweeted out that 
he was looking to make a decision possibly this Saturday. And the tweet is no longer up, so who knows what's really going on there. But, I mean, I think it's an inkling of uh, what's going on there and what's to come. I think Penn State has put itself in a really good spot to make a move on the Roman Catholic wideout. And then Peter Gonzalez from Pittsburgh Central Catholic. I think this is a recruitment where we could really say the writing is on the wall at this point. Penn State has done all of the right things with Gonzalez, and it's really just a matter, it feels like at least, a matter of when. I think that's the kind of job that Penn State has done with the Pittsburgh native. And, you know, Virginia Tech did a good job with Gonzalez, but there's just an alert about Penn State for him. And he even said it that when he talked to Brian Doan coming out of this weekend, the Penn State staff laid out its developmental plan for him. He really liked what he was hearing on that front. And he's excited about the potential to be coached up by this staff if Penn State is indeed his pick. He's had a lot of positive things to say about his thoughts on where the staff could get him, not only really development as a receiver, but really just as an overall football player and as a person still, you know, growing overall. So it seems like Gonzalez is really on board with what the Penn State staff is at to sell him. And then we move a little bit, a little slightly geographic, you know, Josiah Brown. He's not a Pennsylvania guy, but he's a New York guy. So it's close enough. You know, we've got crystal balls in for him now and he was another one who was on campus this past weekend for an official visit things went really well and for a long time it has felt like Penn State and Rutgers for Josiah Brown with Georgia still definitely in that mix lurking and he has an official visit penciled in with the Bulldogs this weekend we'll see if that happens because he's pretty clearly trending towards Penn State at this point and I think this is another situation where Higgins has done a really good job of laying out the plan and delivering on the pitch and making it one that the staff you know, it, it's Brown feels like the whole staff is on board for its plans for him, and he really likes what they've been saying to him about how they want to use him, how they want to help him improve, and just how they want to, you know, maximize his potential. So three wideouts, Penn State has put itself in a really good spot with, which doesn't really surprise me just given the fact that we have said multiple times now that the bulk of this remaining class, the additions that are going to come, it's either going to be at wide receiver or on the defensive line. Sure, there are definitely some spots elsewhere that could be filled at other positions, but wide receiver, defensive line are the two positions we're keeping an eye on the most right now. And, I mean, you're starting to see some numbers really come together at receiver. And so two of those guys considered among the best receivers here in the state of Pennsylvania and Gonzalez. So we've talked about his, his trajectory pointing uh, up right now uh, after that uh, ACL tear and what he's been able to do since then and, and, and showing off uh, some of that athleticism at camp a couple of weeks ago and now spending time with the staff after getting down to Virginia Tech. And uh, I think the other guy there ties here, Denmark. I know he's dropped a bit in 24-7 sports rankings, but you and I felt a little embarrassed when that happened because we were gushing about this guy <laughs> and what we have seen from him. Uh, I mean, you watch the film, that's one thing, and you watch the seven-on-seven, that's an entirely different deal. But when we saw him in seven-on-seven here last summer, again, left the field thinking that was the best prospect who had cleats on on the turf at Penn State that entire tournament, which probably had 50-plus different teams on it. And the, and the offer sheet reflected that. The Oregon commitment obviously uh, put a lot of that to bed for a while, and now he resurfacing on campus. This is one that we got wind of coming at the end of last week course it's very touchy when you've got a committed prospect visiting another school uh Tysier ultimately decided to, to put it out on social media himself midway through the weekend mm -hmm. so we were able to do some reporting on that one but uh we'll see what comes to fruition there wide receiver has changed in a hurry and we're talking about three names here 
one week after you put a crystal ball in for another in Nick Marsh, who's a top 24-7 wide receiver prospect. So a lot cooking right now for Marcus Hagan, still looking to officially get on the board here with Penn State in the 2024 cycle. But uh, we know that Deion Barnes has gotten on the board, and we want to know what's next for him. And when it comes to the crystal balls and, 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 and the forecast here, there's a lot going on for the defensive line as well. Yeah, I put in a crystal ball pick for the four-star uh, lineman out of Miami, T.A. Cunningham. I believe that was Sunday night I did that. Either Sunday, Like I said on the last podcast, I don't even know the days at this point anymore. They're kind of just all meshed together. So whenever the pick went in, the pick went in. I don't really remember the day at this point, but it's in there. So if you want to go look for yourselves, our listeners, I definitely encourage you to do so. But we're feeling pretty good about that one coming out. Heard a decision it could maybe come sooner rather than later out of Cunningham. He's been really quiet throughout his recruitment, he's played his cards really close to the best in terms of his top suitors. But Penn, Penn State is one of those schools that has had longevity with Cunningham. It has been there for a very, very extended period of time, dating back to when John Scott Jr. was leading the charge. Now Deion Barnes taking over. And, you know, it's like I referenced last week, there were some questions about how would Penn State hold up in wake of the coaching change with Scott going to the NFL. Didn't impact its chances negatively in any way. Now looking back at it, Deion Barnes has done a really good job really comfortable relationship between those two. So I've got the crystal ball pick in for that. I also have a crystal ball pick in. Well, I'm working. Yeah, actually, no, I do have this one in now. DeAndre Cook, the three-star lineman out of Washington, D.C., plays at Friendship Collegiate Academy. And, you know, Cook has been one of those guys who, when he first popped onto the radar, when he first got his offer, you were kind of wondering where he would fall on that interior defensive line board. And as the months have gone on, He's been a steady riser, and it's gotten to the point where the staff really likes him. They're comfortable welcoming him into the class if Penn State is where he decides that he wants to be. Cook's at an official – he's on an official visit to Boston College right now as we speak, and he's looking to come to a July 1st decision after that. He's not doing any interviews right now, really locked in on closing out his recruitment process strong. And But all the indications we've received is that Penn State is the leader coming out of his weekend official visit. And really, you know, Boston College has done a pretty good job recruiting Cook, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough getting him on campus for that official visit. I think Penn State has set the bar pretty high there. A couple more defensive linemen we're keeping an eye on. Benedict Dume from Avon Old Farms out in Connecticut, top 24-7 guy. He's going to be at Stanford this weekend, big academic recruit, so that's one to keep an eye on. But Penn State feels really good about where it is at with him. Penn State, I would say, is his leader right now. And I really like where the Nittany Lions are heading. Liam Andrews is a guy Penn State has put itself in a pretty good spot for. We're just going to have to see what happens on that front. You know, it's just one of those recruitments where it's been of the quieter variety. So, got to see what comes about. But we know Penn State has done a pretty good job with Andrews. And then David Polly another in-state target on the interior of the defensive line. I pegged him to Michigan late in May ahead of official visit. And it seemed like it seemed like official visit season has kind of changed things for him. Gets to Penn State during the first weekend of June. I, I think that was big looking at it, looking back at it, because, you know, it kind of got the vibe where, because he was originally scheduled to make a June 16th official visit with Penn State. He told me he was going to be rescheduling that. He was trying to find if another date could work for him. And I always kind of got the feeling that if he couldn't get that Penn State visit rescheduled before he made it to Michigan, I think, you know, there'd be a pretty good chance that he's committed to Michigan right now. But Penn State got him on campus first and made a very, very strong impression. And that kind of, you know, it threw a wrench in things. If you're Michigan, it definitely made things a little bit more interesting. Now he's going to be at USC for an official visit this weekend. And there's some Polynesian ties there with, you know, given West Coast program out in California. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think Penn State is in the best position for David Poly Poly right now. 
I mean, that's not even, we just went through all these names. It's not even including the guys who have already visited some of them. You know, Jamonta Waller going off the board to Florida. That was one that opens things up at edge. You got to focus on Jalen Harvey, Malachi Williams. Now it's just so much going on in the defensive line, man. There's a lot of moving parts, but Penn State has put itself in a really good position with a lot of these guys. And I think Deion Barnes is on the verge of maybe closing in on a really, really good class in less than a year being on the job as a defensive line coach. That'd be really impressive. One of the more impressive things that I think I've really seen out of a position coach taking over. Less than a year. I mean, he's barely a semester into yeah. being the defensive line coach for the Nittany Lions. And and look, we, we said it coming into the month, June and college football, because of the way the calendar is set up, you get a lot of answers in June about your staff, about where you stand. Prospect can't get answers on where they stand. And we had two big questions about you know this staff because of we just don't know yet. Uh, Dion Barnes as a Nittany Lions position coach. And also Marcus Higgins, who, who's done it for a long time, but he's only done it representing Virginia. Yeah. So we're getting a chance to see these two guys put in work on their new campus, and this is when it matters. And, and now if you come out of this month with those answers and it all of a sudden looks like you've got you know, 23, 24 commitments a, a, as a byproduct of that, then, wow, uh, that's a really good spot to be kind of buttoning yourself up as you close things in summer and start to work your way towards Lash Bash and then ultimately your preseason camp. But I, I want to get to a few more things because you talked about Waller coming off the, the board. Jamonte Waller, one of those kind of big fish out there we've been talking about, five-star edge rusher, linebacker. He's committed to Florida coming off of the official visit there, which you know goes against what he was kind of saying, a Penn State leading, but we talked about it before. It, there was an, it went from kind of maybe a gap to an edge over the course of time. Can you talk us through what you understand why Waller made this decision now. Uh, obviously a guy who spoke very highly about the Nittany Lions along the way and even went so far as to say the Penn State led on the record. What gave Florida such a leapfrog opportunity here in the scenario where they were actually shutting this recruitment down on you know in mid-June? Before I get into that real quick, Tysir yeah. just said he will be announcing his commitment tomorrow at 6, not Saturday at 6. So it's looking like the in-state Wilds going to have a decision tomorrow. But back to right, Waller. Well, yeah, unless no, that tweet's deleted by the time it, this podcast is not. You know, it's been up for five minutes now, so I think it's going to stick. Uh, I'm pretty confident. All right, well, we'll stay it. tuned on that. <laughs> we know where the crystal balls are pointing, and, and, and it's you know, we're, we're bracing ourselves for a busy week here. So live update from Tyler Calvaruso there. But uh, sorry, I forgot what I even asked you. I hope you remember. <laughs> no, man, we're on Jamonta Waller now, who I know a lot That's of right. Penn State fans were – disappointed that it didn't work out in Penn State's favor. You know, there's a lot of excitement about Waller and Penn State's chances. And I didn't really ever play into that excitement, I feel. I feel like I was more on the pessimistic side with Waller, really, throughout his recruitment. For me, it was just kind of a logic thing. SEC kid, you know, growing up in Mississippi, gets a chance to play an SEC program with one of his best friends, nonetheless, who is committed to Florida. So I, I just think that... Really, it was an opportunity Waller felt that he couldn't pass up. I think Penn State did a really good job with Waller, and I mean, they're not going to stop talking to him. You know, Florida has a tough schedule this season, and you know, it's not uh, it's not going to be easy for the Gators to maintain momentum on the field, at least not right away. You know, Billy Napier is doing a really, really good job on the recruiting trail down there this summer, though. So credit to him for that. Credit to him reeling in Waller and Amaris Williams, you know, two guys who were really high on the Penn State board, and now they're both heading to Gainesville. So – that staff deserves a lot of credit. And it really just comes down to, you know, Penn State. They took it to big swing with Waller and missed for now. They're going to keep working it. And it's on to the next targets at edge. Like I mentioned, Jalen Harvey, Malachi Williams, Brian Robinson, who took his official visit last week. Three guys Penn State feels it could, you know, it is very much in play with and could land. So it would have been nice for Penn State. They felt it would have been nice to have him in the class. But 
life goes on, staff goes on to their next targets. And while Waller will, you know, the conversations will continue. I, I'm not really sure it's a one where a flip ultimately happens. We'll see. I mean, it's a long yep. way to go between now and the signing period, but just based on the inklings that I've received and, you know, just kind of reading the tea leaves, I'm not sure Waller comes off this. Yeah. Uh, important for Billy and Napier to, to bounce back six and seven in year one with the Gators. They've got momentum brewing on the recruiting trail right now, but, but on field will matter there in Gainesville. Mississippi prospect is Waller. Let's keep our focus to the Southeast because Penn State actually lost a commitment at the end of last week too. I don't want to completely ignore the fact that Derek Plaz uh, came and went from this recruiting class uh, about a two week stay in between uh, quick departure. He's going to be exploring his options and there was certainly a tone of finality. I felt to his announcement. Yeah, another one who I don't think will be circling back to Penn State. And it's really just, you know, he played it very well. Derek Plaz handled this situation very well. Very upfront and transparent with the staff. And, you know, James Franklin and his staff, it's long been the philosophy where they really make sure that you want to commit before you commit. You know, I don't want to go as far as he kind of tries to talk kids out of committing, but – he really does emphasize making sure that kids are ready they to don't. pledge to Penn State. Here's what they, they he he does not, and this staff they do not want commitments with caveats. They mm-hmm. want exactly. just commi- firm. They don't want, hey, I'm committed to you, and here's my travel itinerary for the next exactly. month. I'm going to these five schools. They don't want commitments with caveats. No, and that's a great point because you know you're in a you're in the official visit setting because Plus committed during his official visit, announced shortly after he left campus. You're in that setting, and it's like you know you're telling the staff you're not going to take any more visits and it sounds all well and good. Then you get home to Florida and you realize you can't take any more visits. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, did I rush into it? Do I, should I have explored my options a little bit more? Those were the things that drove Derek Plaza to this decision. And like I said, he handled it the right way. You know, he was very upfront with the staff and that was definitely appreciated. And another situation where you just turn your attention to the next group of targets. Ethan Calloway was a four-star tackle on campus this weekend. Penn state did well with him. They're going to get Gary Lambert, the top 24-7 offensive tackle from Catholic Memorial up in Massachusetts. He's going to be in town for his official visit. And, you know, there is some quiet optimism about that. I think it's been a Penn State-Notre Dame battle a lot of the way. Ohio State definitely in there as well. I can't really comment exactly on where Ohio State's standing. I do a little bit more digging on that. They could be in a better standing than I realize right now, admittedly. I got, I got to ask around on that. But it's really a matter of, you know, he's has we talk about quiet recruitments. His recruitment's probably been the quietest of any I've covered this cycle. So you get it's one of those situations where you get him on campus and you know, maybe you really blow the family away. Maybe you really blow the kid away. I think that's definitely in the cards. So those two are priorities for the staff. And Plaz did offer versatility on the offensive line, that's for sure. Could have lined up at guard, could have lined up at tackle. Penn State staff is ready to welcome him on board. They're happy they got him. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. He's back on the open market. Penn State goes back to the drawing board, zones in on a couple guys who have been high on the board for a really long time. Derek Plaz out of Jacksonville, Florida, a three-star prospect, and the 24-7 Sports him 24-7 Sports has him as the number 75 uh, offensive tackle prospect in 2024 rankings. Um, the other name that we've been monitoring here, and, and it, kind of the way you described it with Plaz a little bit, you, you have the official visit high then you kind of get back home and then whether it's your internal thinking or whether it's the people around you saying, Hey, we had a plan. Let's stick to it. We didn't finish. You're, you're cutting this short. This isn't the recruitment that we envisioned or laid out because you're, you're riding this high and you're making an announcement. Felt like we were going to be maybe in that department with Jalen Harvey, not too long ago, four-star edge rusher out of Maryland in the composite rankings. 
Instead, we've got more official visits, and we've got a new top five out on on Monday, uh, just about 24 hours ago. That's Florida, Maryland, Penn State, Southern Cal, Tennessee. I, I feel like I ask you about Jalen Harvey each time we check in, Tyler Calvaruso, but it seems to be a necessary part of the process for us here on the podcast. Oh, you're a smart man for asking because it's one of those recruitments that has required these frequent updates. And really, that top five – it's a top five, obviously. I feel like it's more of a top two, really, between Penn State and Florida at this point. I think uh, I think USC did a nice job with Harvey, but I feel like when he really comes down to it and decides on July 4th, it's going to come down to Penn State. And Florida, I mean, maybe Maryland can move the needle this weekend. We're just going to have to wait and see. You know, that's an in-state option, so I'm sure there's some intrigue there. But my crystal ball is still on Penn State for Jalen Harvey. I, I haven't really received a strong reason to move it elsewhere or lower the confidence level or do anything like that. I think that while there's been some interesting stuff going on behind the scenes with, you know, the original plan kind of being wiped out within 48 hours and Harvey deciding and Harvey and his family, I should say, because I think that's an important element of this Harvey and his family decided they were going to continue with the visit process after looking like they were going to shut things down and no longer take any visits, you know, it's definitely added a new element of intrigue into his recruitment and one that has required constant conversation to, you know, stay updated on where he is trending. But as things stand right now, I still have the crystal ball in Harvard. I still like Penn State to seal the deal on July 4th. And, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you got to think about it like this. I'll pose it this way. The Penn State staff is dealing with this situation for, you know, a pretty good reason. So I think that's one of those things you kind of have to take it for what you will. Um, let's see. Last week we saw Penn State welcome a top 24-7 prospect for a midweek official visit in Ohio edge rusher Brian Robinson. They're doing the same sort of deal this time around, starting on a Tuesday, midweek official visit. This time another top 24-7 prospect. And we go back to wide receiver where the action never seems to cease these days. Alex Taylor is the is the man in town this time. Again, very different scenario than when you're in a huge cluster on a Saturday, Sunday situation. So what are we looking at here? Um, I think it's really a matter of this is Taylor's first real in-depth look at Penn State. So I feel like the staff kind of has a lot to accomplish in these next 48 hours because a lot of Taylor's recruitment has centered around in-state schools. He's a North Carolina native, and it's been a lot of Clemson, NC State, North Carolina flavor. Virginia Tech got a visit as well. I'm not quite sure what transpired on that official visit. That's another one that I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging into regarding where the Hokies stand with Taylor at this point in time. But things have changed for him a little bit because Clemson is taking a smaller wide receiver class, I believe only two, and they already have a pair of elite guys on board. So really barring a decommitment on that front, I'm not sure Taylor would have a spot with the ACC program. He was just at NC State for an official visit, and I've been hearing that NC State did a really good job with him while he was on campus. There's definitely some intrigue into the Wolfpack, and one of the reasons for that is his Grimsley High teammate, Terrell Anderson, is also really, really high on NC State and was also on campus for an official visit at the same time as Taylor. Those two have discussed teaming up to the next level, so that remains a it's definitely an option. It's one that they could easily take and decide to run with. You know, NC State would welcome both of those guys, really, regardless of circumstance, it seems. And then North Carolina is going to get the final visit from Taylor this weekend. And then he announces on July 29th. So, really, it's going to come down to him taking the next month after that North Carolina official visit 
to sort through his options and decide what the best fit for him is. As a player, I feel like I should get into that because we Taylor hasn't really been a hot topic of conversation among us. He's got some big playability. There's some intrigue there. He's a good route runner. The main thing that I see out of him on tape is he can line up all over a formation, inside, outside. So that versatility definitely helps, you know, Marcus Higgins and the pitch and how you can utilize him and get him get the ball in his hands. So it's it's uh, it's one of those recruitments where we haven't talked about it a whole lot, but now he's in town. So we really got to zone in on what comes out of this visit because he's kind of in like a different group on the board if you think about it. You know, he hasn't really been mentioned a lot along with a lot of the top names we've discussed, but that's because he's more of an out-of-state guy, almost out. I mean, essentially an out-of-region guy being down in right. North Carolina. It depends how you want to classify the Carolinas, but, you know, he's not in the same ilk as a lot of the guys Penn State has been after at the position. So Alex Taylor, definitely a name to know now that he's on campus, and we're just going to have to see what comes of his official visit. When you have a top 150 150- prospect at a position that you haven't yet addressed in the cycle yeah it's definitely notable visit uh we'll we'll find out what, what kind of feedback comes from this when this one wraps up later in the week but uh out of grimsley high school in north carolina greensboro to be precise a thousand receiving yards last year 12 touchdown catches and a lot working right now for this 2024 class with with the added commitment and the lost commitment still at 17 total players in the 2024 class for penn state number seven overall group in 24 seven sports uh, rankings at this stage of the cycle. And look, we're going to be uh, a lot going on besides all the commitment watch and the crystal ball weights here, Tyler Calvary. So we've got a camp coming our way again, Wednesday. It's the first midweek camp of the summer. So we'll be back on the field for that uh, Thursday. We've got lift for life, which is not recruiting related, but we'll have a, a chance to talk to the Penn state staff members and Penn state players uh, for a wonderful annual cause here on campus. So we'll be back on the practice fields again, Thursday. And guess what? We'll do it again, Friday, three straight days, our 24-7 sports team will be out at Penn State uh, turf and, and, and we'll be at the intramural fields for Friday. Uh, we got seven-on-seven seven tournament to see on Friday. We got another big man challenge to see on Friday. Unfortunately, uh, hopefully you call, followed our coverage last Friday. I thought Daniel did a great job with his notebook for seven-on-seven. Seven. I was able to put together some things on, on what I oversaw from the offensive lineman working with Phil Troutwine for some extra time. But there were a bunch of different lightning delays on Friday. Uh, unfortunately, that impacted some of our ability to cover the event and just the event itself. So hopefully this Friday, uh, more of a, a clear uh, kind of run through the, like, like normal. We get a chance to report on all those things. But that's what's cooking. And we've got the official visit weekend coming up. It's the fourth and final one of the month of June. So Tyler, what's on your radar? Commitments aside, crystal ball projections aside for these upcoming four or five days as, as we dive into yet another fascinating week uh, of Penn State football coverage. This is a pretty light weekend on the official visit front, and it was set up that way on purpose. This was kind of a design plan for the staff where, you know, you could use this final official visit weekend to maybe get some guys who have free weekends now on campus for official. So really it's just a matter of, I feel like, kind of seeing what comes about this week. You know, we could definitely have some late additions to this official it visit. It feels week. like that week kind of week, doesn't it? Guys, it guys definitely, yeah, that, man, that late sure. change of pace and, exactly. and right before that, that dead period comes through them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we already have an example of that with Jeremiah Smith, the five-star wideout from – he's not coming anymore. He's going to be at Miami this weekend instead of making it to Penn State. So, yeah, you, you chuckle for a good reason there. I never thought hardly, he was going to make it. Hardly knew he. Yes, I yes. never thought he was going to make this visit. It just didn't – I never got that vibe. But uh, he's going to be at Miami. Jare Hawkins is going to be in town, top 24-7 wideout from IMG Academy, West Virginia native. I, conversations with him are still ongoing at this point, it seems. And with Penn State getting a little bit more crowded at wide receiver, I think it complicates things a little bit further regarding his standing. So that's another one where we're going to just have to keep areas to the ground and 
kind of get a feel for where Hawkins is at on the board, where the stack. You got to keep in mind, again, it depends who you talk to, really, because there are a lot of people inside of Lash who are definitely high on Jerry Hawkins. But at the same time, there are some concerns, and I view them to be legitimate. He is on the smaller side. He's not even as big as KJ Hamler. So it's definitely a different kind of receiver compared to what Penn State has been going after elsewhere in this class. So really beyond Hawkins, I mean, and Lambert, we already touched on him. This was originally going to be a bigger weekend. DeAndre Coke was originally going to be here this weekend. Josiah Brown was originally going to be here this weekend. Those guys have already completed their official visits. So it was always going to be a smaller weekend, but now it's even smaller. So it's kind of just really keeping an eye on what pops up at this point. Yeah. And as I said, before we get to the official visit weekend, we've got some camps to cover. We've got yep. other coverage of this team. It's going to be a fun weekend lines, 24-7.com. And a big tip of the cap to you, Tyler Calvaruso, for all the coverage this month so far. A huge part of the reason why, coming out of our most recent promotional deal, we are now at an all-time high in subscriptions at lines, 247com It's been around for a while. Been a lot of Penn State coverage on the site for a long time. Right now, we are at an all-time high in subscriptions. So uh, thank you to everyone who has yeah. jumped on board. For those of us listening uh, episode by episode, I know you love the insights you get here. I hope you love them. And I know you love what you hear from Tyler and, and our other guests. It's just the tip of the iceberg compared to what's happening for our VIP subscribers at lines247.com. It is an all-day event at our message boards. And the, the amount of volume of work that we get from our national and regional analysts, whether it's an Alan True, a Brian Doan, and Andrew Ivins to the south, and, of course, uh, Steve Wolfong, the heaviest hitter within our network. So much all-hands-on-deck effort this month of June. But, Tyler, you spearheaded it. And we just got that word while we were – Working our way through this yep. conversation, we got a text from somebody that we just hit that all-time market line, 247.com. So extremely proud uh, of that. And uh, thank you to everyone for supporting the podcast as well. But if you're not doing both, I think you'll get more out of the comprehensive lines, 24-7 experience. And you'll be well-versed on what's happening in the Penn State universe uh, by taking a plunge and joining our website, which, by the way, through June 29th, still 50% off. It's not 60% off anymore, but 24-7 Sports, the network said, you know what? Let's stick with 50%. It's a busy month. Let's see who wants to climb in. So right now you still can get in half the price of an annual subscription. Tyler, anything to add as I kind of you know stole the spotlight with that announcement? I know it was kind of ours to share together, but I wanted to commend you as well. No, man. I mean, I appreciate the words from you and we couldn't do this without our listeners and our subscribers point blank. You know, we can put out all the content in the world. But if you guys weren't supporting it, reading along, commenting with us on the message board, really, you know, sparking conversation we wouldn't be where we are right now sitting here talking about Penn State football. So it's definitely appreciated on all fronts. And as I've been saying on the board throughout this month, you know, job's not finished. We got a lot more to go. Even beyond the craziness of this month, June, July, August, we just, we're going to keep rolling. So there's a football season more out there yeah, too. Man. Yeah, there's yeah. a football season out There's this out thing there. called college football that's coming <laughs> up. So it's going it's yeah. to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun on the site. Yeah, the way the way this world is set up in college sports, there is really no offseason. I think Josh Pate has had this one right right for a long time when it comes to college football. We've been living by it at lines247.com as well. Tyler Calvaruso, thank you so much for uh, the latest feedback from the latest official visit weekend. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again very soon here on the podcast, and I imagine we'll have some new additions to this class to discuss as well. I've got a good feeling about that, man. I'll, I'm definitely right. looking forward to the next time we catch up. All right, take care. Good stuff, as always, from Tyler Calvariso, our recruiting insider over at Lions247.com. Before him, you heard uh, from Luke Reynolds, the top 100 overall prospect committed to Penn State at the tight end position. Really appreciated his time coming off that trip out west. 
For now, stepping aside, as I said, follow Lions247.com. The rest of this week, we're on the Penn State practice field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, different events, camp, seven-on-seven tournaments, big man challenge, and then this official visit weekend. So no time to look away right now if you want to follow Penn State recruiting and Penn State football coverage. We'll continue doing it here on the podcast and over at the site. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening.